Well, good morning, church. It's good to see you here this morning. We're in John chapter 18 this morning, 18 and 19. And we're looking at the events surrounding the crucifixion and resurrection of the Lord. And the title of today's message is uh, Partner Upon You Decide. And we're going to begin in John 18 with verse 28 and read through chapter 19, verse 22. They led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters, so they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not not have delivered him to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves then and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the words, the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered the headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord or do others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside of the Jews and told them, I find no fault in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, No, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came to him saying, Hail, king of the Jews, and they struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I'm bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Pilate, so Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. 
So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at the place called the Stone Pavement and an Aramaic Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, what I, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified him. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and the proclamation of his word. History reveals to us that people are either partners or pawns in bringing about God's purposes uh, in the world. Many men who have cared nothing about God or His plan for the world have in fact been used by God to accomplish His purposes for the world. Alexander the Great conquered the world in the 4th century B.C. He didn't know it, but God was using him to provide a common world language that, that could be used to transmit the good news of Christ in the first century. The Romans cared nothing about the true God uh, of Israel, but they provided an extensive and efficient highway system for first century missionaries like Paul to go from place to place proclaiming the gospel. The Romans further provided a, a kind of a peace to the world, the Pax Romana, uh, that enabled Christians during this time to move from culture to culture and tell people about true peace that comes through Jesus Christ. In the recent world, Adolf Hitler tried to annihilate Jews from Europe and from the face of the earth. But his demonic action actually helped the world to see the need for a Jewish homeland. And he unknowingly helped establish Israel as a nation in 1948. And many evangelicals believe that this set the stage for the second coming. You see, God is the ultimate controller of history. And history will climax when Christ returns, when Jesus comes back again. History is not moving in cycles, although there are some cyclical things about history. But it is moving toward a climax. History had a beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. And history will have an ending when, when uh, all the wicked rulers of the world and every evil ruler that has existed uh, will, uh, will stand before the, God, the, uh, the just God of the earth in judgment. And God will bring this thing to an end and he will completely destroy evil. You see, God uses the rulers of the world of the past and the rulers of today, and even future rulers who will come along to accomplish his purposes in the world. God is the ultimate controller of history. Now, Pilate was such a man. He was a ruler. He was wicked, he was worldly, and he had little fear of God. 
Pilate cared nothing about the Jews that he was supposed to be governing. However, even the wicked Pilate became an unknowing accomplice to God's plan for redeeming the world. From the passage we read from John 18 and 19, we see this eternal truth that human beings either partner with God or they are pawns of God to ultimately accomplish His purposes in the world. Human beings partner with God or they are pawns of God to accomplish, ultimately accomplish His purposes in the world. Pilate, he's an interesting kind of guy. Uh, not, not well thought of even in secular history. He might be the ultimate example of a person who lived only for today. He is a man who seemingly at times wanted to do the right thing, but he cared more about his position and his goals and protecting himself than about doing what was right. Certain things we see in Pilate's encounter with Jesus uh, that instruct us on how to live today. First of all, uh, knowing right is not enough. We must be willing and empowered to do right. Knowing right is not enough. We must be willing and empowered to do right. Now, Pilate early determined Jesus was not guilty of sedition against Rome. He early determined that. He examined Jesus to see if he was going to challenge the authority of Rome and lead men to rebel against uh, Caesar and the Roman government. And, and when he examined it, he found out two things about Jesus. First of all, he found out Jesus truly was a king. But his kingdom was not of this world. It was not, a kind, it was not the kind of kingdom that Pilate was familiar with. Uh, so Pilate discovered this. And then Pilate found out, uh, found out Jesus was, well, Pilate found out Jesus was born and came into the world to be the king. Secondly, in his interview with Jesus... He found that Jesus was not guilty of any crime or any wrongdoing. We read three times in this passage of scripture that Pilate said he found no fault in Jesus. He found no reason for Jesus to be accused of a crime. He found no reason for Jesus uh, to receive the death penalty. And he knew these things were true. (coughs) But even though he knew them to be true, he didn't set Jesus free, did he? He lacked the moral courage and lacked the spiritual power to do what was right. Through Pilate, who was a pawn, God was accomplishing his purposes in the world. You see, it's one thing to know what's right. It's another thing to have the power and be willing to do what's right. <clears throat> I heard of a study of a group of, uh, uh, of a test group that one person was put into a class with some other students... And, uh, and they were asked, uh, they saw two lines on a, on a board, and they asked, which line is a longer? Well, everyone in the class but one person had been instructed to say the shorter line was longer. The shorter line was longer. And so the one person who didn't know that, they wanted to see how he would react. Well, people reacted, basically 75% of them said that they conformed with the wrong opinion. They said the shorter line was longer. Only 25% of the people (coughs) wanted to be the lone dissenter in the group. 
And that's the way it is. It's hard to be the one who's different. It's hard to be the one who says, no, that's not right. That's not good. It's one thing to know right and another thing to do right, especially when you have to stand alone. And we're going to have to stand alone from time to time. Although we never are completely alone, right? The Lord's with us. But sometimes we have to, we have to be the only human being to say, that's not right. You, I can't go along with that. That's not the, the ways of God. That's not the way it should be. How do we have the will and the power to stand against wrong and the wrong opinions of others in the world that we live in? First of all, we've got to be walking with God. We've got to be living in His Word to know what's right. You know, God's Word teaches us what's right and wrong. And there is... And in our world today, especially, we need that kind of discernment. We need that kind of discernment because life gets confusing, doesn't it? So we need to be in God's Word to know what's right and wrong. We need to be walking with God and controlled and filled with the Holy Spirit so that we will, we will do the right thing and we will be able to stand alone. You see, daily we have to yield every part of our lives to the Holy Spirit and seek for Him to fill us. Because only the power of the Holy Spirit, empower, only really that enables us to do right when we need to do right. You remember the night Jesus was betrayed? All of His disciples kind of ran for cover. But it was only like a couple months later when the Holy Spirit descended on them and, uh, and he began to feel and control them. These scared men became men and women who changed the world. Who changed the world. Knowing what's right is not enough. We must be willing and empowered to do what's right. Secondly, talking about truth is not enough. We must want the truth to change our lives. Now, Pilate discovered Jesus was the king with the kingdom that extended beyond the world. And Pilate, uh, Jesus told Pilate the reason uh, his followers did not fight was because uh, his kingdom was not of this world. Um, Jesus said, I came into the world to bear witness to the truth. And then Jesus said, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. You see, Jesus came to testify of truth. He came to speak truth. In fact, Jesus came to be truth. Jesus is truth itself. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, Jesus is truth incarnate. Jesus is truth embodied. Truth incarnate, truth embodied was standing right in front of Pilate. Pilate then asked the question, pretty sarcastically, what is truth? What is truth? He asked the question that we're grappling with today. What is truth? The New York Times the last few months has been running an advertising campaign saying, the truth is hard to find. The truth is hard to know. The truth is more important now than ever. Well, I believe that for sure. Uh, you see, truth... Truth is out there. I, there is truth. There is objective truth. And, and, uh, and so we need to seek to know the truth. Now people often want to talk about the truth to discuss it. They want to put their ideas about what truth is and what it's not. 
However, you don't come to a knowledge of, of the truth by debating what it is. You come to a knowledge of the truth when, you're, when you actually want to change in your life and, and you begin to seek the one who is the truth, Jesus himself. Jesus alone is the truth. Now, I'm, talking, I'm not talking about kind of propositional truths or, or things that are true in general. I'm talking about the truth. The truth itself, the very reason and purpose for our existence. Yes, it is true that Jesus, uh, even true things uh, are true because Jesus is the truth. But, but the, the purpose, the meaning of our lives... That is the truth, and that truth is Jesus Christ. He's the very purpose and meaning, uh, the reason we are here. We are here to, to meet Him as Savior, to know Him as Lord, to love Him and to serve Him, and to walk with Him. Jesus is the very embodiment of truth itself. Pilate missed it, though, didn't he? He missed it. The truth was staring him in the face. And he asked, what is truth? You see, you won't know the truth until you're willing for the truth to change your life. When did the truth become a reality to each of us here? It wasn't the first time we heard it, probably. We heard about Jesus being the truth. We heard the gospel. We didn't embrace it. Probably something happened in our lives where we realized we needed to change. And, and something needed to be different. And our lives weren't, weren't what they ought to be or what they should be. And we heard about Jesus and we began to trust and believe in him. Maybe some of you are here at that point today. We have people uh, this morning. Kathy and Damon will be back at, after the service. If you, if you At that point you want your life to change and you've come to, 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 to believe in Jesus. Or you're coming to that point and you need someone to talk to you. We want to do that for you today. You see, Jesus is the truth, and and in order for us to truly know truth, we want to change. That's even true about things in our life, isn't it? Most of us don't change until the pressure happens. Now, I wish it wasn't that way. I wish I would just change automatically. I'd be smart enough to know I need to grow and change. But a lot of times, I like the way things, the way they are. But when the pressure pushes on me, and when circumstances change and, and things aren't going the way that I think they should, maybe that shows me my need to change and grow and become more of what God wants me to be. You see, I think, I think all of us need to daily pray for a teachable attitude that says, Lord, whatever you want to change in me, I'm willing to change. Please, help me to see it and help me to cooperate with you. You see, God can teach us when we truly want Him to teach us and we truly want to follow Him. Talking about truth is not enough. We must want the truth to change our lives. Thirdly, talking tough is not enough. We must have God's boldness in order to live courageously. Now, Pilate didn't believe Jesus was any kind of a king, especially at first. He knew Jesus was innocent of crimes, but he didn't think he was king. I think he called Jesus the king of the Jews to mock the Jews. Because Pilate didn't like the Jews. He looked down on them. He he didn't like governing them. He didn't like the way they lived and what they uh, valued. Uh, Pilate was a tough talker. Notice he said, take him yourself and judge him. You know, in 1831. And then 
And then Pilate took Jesus and the soldiers mocked him and scourged him and they put a a purple uh, robe around him. And then in the midst of his kind of discussion with these Jewish leaders and the crowd, um, he brought him out. He brought out Jesus with a crown of thorns on his head, uh, with a a purple robe uh, around him as a sign of royalty. But by that time, Jesus was pretty beaten up. You know, those thorns were not just teeny-weeny thorns. They were long things, and they would cause a lot of bleeding, and scourging caused a lot of bleeding. So when Pilate brought him out, and he brought Jesus, this Jesus who he just scourged and who put a crown of thorns on, I think he was mocking them. Behold, you're, behold the man! This is your king! Pilate was mocking them. And that's kind of how he, how he did. Pilate talked tough. And when, when he got cornered, I think he mocked them with sarcasm. Shall I crucify your king? Can't you just hear kind of a tone of sarcasm in that? Sarcasm, I think, may have been Pilate's way to get revenge on these leaders. See, sometimes we're, we're like that, aren't we? When you can't confront someone face-to-face, person-to-person, we use sarcasm to say something to them that we need to say straight out. Pilate lacked the boldness to say, this is wrong, I won't do it. Sometimes, you know, people don't, don't, they use a kind of a humorous sarcasm that cuts and destroys instead of Instead of having direct discussions with people the way we should. You see, Christians should speak the truth in love to one another. If I have a problem with you, I should go to you. Not, not, if you have a problem with someone else, don't come to your pastor and tell them about that problem. If you haven't first talked to that person directly about it. I hope, I hope you won't do that. I'm not going to be the middleman. If you have it, I'll, I want to help people get along, and you do too. And sometimes we have to bring, bring a couple people to help people to, to kind of see something that's not in them. But don't talk about people if you haven't talked to them. It's, don't talk about them anyway. But, but you must talk to them before you talk about them. Uh, before you and bring somebody else in, I mean. You see, Pilate didn't have the boldness. Uh, he talked tough, but he still did not uh, do the courageous thing. You see, we need boldness today, don't we? We need God's boldness, a, a wise boldness, not a, just a sarcastic kind of you know, boldness that just makes everybody mad. And that's not what I'm talking about. You guys know people like that. I'm talking about a true kind of Holy Spirit boldness that we would speak the truth in love, even when it's hard. Peter and John were arrested, and uh, they were told, don't preach anymore in Jesus' name. And they were bold, and they said, you, you know, you got to think about this. Is it right to obey God or men? But they were a little nervous, and so they went to the church. They told them what the, what the uh, leaders, the Jewish leaders had said to them. And so the church prayed. Now listen to the prayer of the early church when, uh, when, that, when, the, when the church and the leaders were threatened. 
Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And the scripture says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. We need that kind of concerted prayer that you and I, as we live our lives in this world that we're living in, would be bold and speak the truth in love. We, the church needs to be bold today. Talking tough is not enough. We must have a boldness in order to live courageously. God's boldness. And finally, fearing God is, fearing God is not enough. We must love and fear Him more than we fear men. Well, the longer this lasted, the more Pilate saw in Jesus something different. The chief priests and the leaders were getting more and more frustrated that Jesus was not being condemned. And so they almost, they almost made a fatal error. They told Pilate that Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. Now, pagan mythology, which was all around, which Romans were steeped in, I had many stories about how one of the pagan gods would have visited earth and somehow the people that they visited would, would mistreat them. And so these pagan gods, supposedly these stories said, they would wipe out people or they would curse them. And, uh, and those, those stories were, uh, there were a lot of those kind of stories uh, on how the, how, the, how the pagan mythological gods who were just kind of, you know, basically corrupt men in God suits, if I could say it that way, you know, uh, they, would get, they would get their revenge on these human beings who mistreated them. And Pilate knew those stories. And he also, as he looked at Jesus, somehow he, he, he recognized something, I think, was different about Jesus. Because the way he handled himself and the way he handled this whole situation, I think Pilate saw a glimpse of the of the glory of God, of the majesty of Jesus. When Pilate heard that Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, his fears increased. You see, even among uh, the worst of men, oftentimes there's a certain amount of the fear of God, even in men like Pilate. So he again brought in Jesus. He asked Jesus where he came from, although Jesus had basically already told him this. Jesus didn't answer him. Then Pilate said, uh, when Jesus wouldn't answer him, he threatened him. He says, don't you know I have authority to crucify you or authority to let you go? To this, Jesus did respond. Jesus said, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. That's what Jesus said. He said, you think you have authority, but it's only because God is allowing this to take place that this is happening. Pilate was not in control of this situation. Jesus was. God was in control of this situation. God was bringing about his plans and his purposes and his redemptive, uh, his re- redemption of the world as Jesus would, would go to the cross. You see, Jesus was in control of the situation. Remember what Jesus said. Jesus wasn't a victim. Jesus wasn't a martyr. Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. Have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. You see, Pilate thought he was in control, but Jesus was in control. 
And somehow Pilate was even more after this determined to set Jesus free. Then the Jewish leaders resorted to their biggest weapon. They played their trump card. They said to Pilate, Jesus claims to be a king. And if any person claims to be a king, he is an opponent of Caesar. They said to Pilate, if you let him go, you're no friend of Caesar's. You're no friend of Caesar's. Now, the most powerful in the world was Caesar. And Pilate did not want to be known as someone who was not a friend of Caesar. And so because of this, even though he believed Jesus was innocent, even though he had a certain amount of the fear of God, he ordered Jesus to be crucified because he was more afraid of men than he was of God. He had more respect for men than he had of the eternal God of the universe. Who do you fear more? Men or God? Do you fear God more than the governing leaders? Now, that's a tough question. We, we don't, I don't know if we have to answer that question right now, but there might be a day that we might have to answer that question. See, when the government says certain things are, are not wrong, and the Bible teaches clearly that they are, when the Bible says Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life, and the government says you can't say that anymore, they're not quite there, but who knows? Do we fear God more than we fear government? Do we love and fear God more than we, fear, than we care about the opinions of people? You see, it in John 12, it's, it says, uh, many even among the leaders believed in Jesus. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Yet at the same, uh, but because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they love praise from men more than praise from God. See, they didn't want to lose social status. They wanted to be at the synagogue. That was their life. God was not their life. Do you love praise from people more than you love praise from God? Is your fear of God a, a, a constant reverent respect? Or is it something that kind of comes and goes? Does it only affect you when life is, is crashing in on you? Or does it affect you all the time? Does it lead you to serve God day in and day out? You see, we need to pray that as believers we would love God and want His praise more than the applause of men. We need to pray that we'll have a continual reverent respect for God and fear of God and we will fear Him more than anyone or anything else. That we will love Him enough to do what is true and right no matter what. You see, fearing God's not enough. We must love and fear Him. More than we do men. Pilate was not a partner with God. But he was a pawn in God's hands bringing about his purposes. Pilate was simply an unwilling pawn. He knew what was right. But he did not do it. He talked about truth. But he didn't want real change to take place in his life. He talked tough. But he didn't have the boldness to act courageously. He 
feared God, but not as much as he feared men or the Roman ruler Caesar. You see, human beings are either partners with God or pawns of God to ultimately accomplish his purposes in the world. We're one or the other. God's not going to mess. God's plans are going to be fulfilled. Jesus is Lord and he will reign forever and ever and ever. Even if you don't confess that, it's going to happen. You see, I don't want to be an unwilling pawn in God's hands. I, don't, I want to be a partner. I don't want to be a pilot. I want to be a Paul who cooperates with God in the doing of his will. And the choice, the choice is yours and mine. God's will is going to be accomplished. Are you going to partner with him or are you going to be an unwilling pawn? Are you going to give your life to him and live for him and yield yourself to him? Or, or are you just going to ignore him? But he will work through you in ways that you probably don't want him to work through you. But he's going to bring about his purposes. You see, we need to willingly yield ourselves to him day by day. We need to love him and pray that we'll love him above everything else. And then we'll have his courage and power to do what's right no matter what. You see, victory is already ours. It already belongs to Jesus. And it's going to belong to him at the end of it all. Let's pray together. None of us have the courage and the boldness that we need to have to live for the Lord in our day. And in fact, the truth is, none of us love the Lord like we should. I see that in my own life. Lord, I want to love you better. I know I love the Lord, and you know, most of you probably here know that you love the Lord. But you look at your life and you, you say, I want to love him more, I want to love him better. I want to love Him more fully, more passionately. I want to fear Him and do His will more than I want the applause of people. Make that your prayer today. Make it your prayer that you will love God above everything else. You will reverence and respect Him above everything else. And and ask Him to give you the boldness and the courage and the power to do what's right, no matter what. If you're here today, you're, you're not a believer. You've never transferred the right to run your life from yourself to Jesus. Would you do that today? He died to save you. He wants for you to receive Him into His life and begin to follow Him. You won't follow Him perfectly because none of us follow Him perfectly. But have you determined that you're going to receive the forgiveness that He offers you? And you're going to, from this moment on, seek to follow Jesus as Lord of your life. We have a couple people, uh, Damon and Kathy will be back there if you need to talk to someone or pray with someone this morning. Or if there's anything else that you'd like to just have someone pray with you about, they're there to help you today. Lord, help us to be people of courage in the world that we live in. I thank you, Lord God, that no one will thwart your purposes. No one will keep your will from ultimately being done. Lord, we pray that it would be done today in our lives. 
as it is in heaven. We pray that we'd be partners with you and we'd yield to you and we'd cooperate with you. We pray that there are those that, Lord, are looking for life. Lord, maybe they're at the point of change. I pray that today they'd give their lives to Jesus, even in these moments, that they'd believe and be saved. I ask for you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen.